See, a little bit of that ties right in with Job this evening, uh, with the two uh, things that God uses to show his power and to show Job that he is not in control and God is. And so uh, Behemoth and Leviathan in Job forty fifteen, Behold now Behemoth, which I made with thee, he eateth grass as an ox, Lo, now his strength is in his loins, 40, uh, 16, 17, and his force is in his navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. The bones are like the bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens or marsh. The shady trees cover him with their shallow shadow, and the willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares." May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his words. Pause just a moment for prayer. Heavenly Father, these two wonderful creatures you have made, as Job considers those, uh, we find that just once again shows how great you are and how small we are. And so, Lord, we rely upon you. That you are our shepherd is an amazing truth that we just should never get over. And Lord, we thank you for your constant provision for us. Help me this evening. Forgive me of sin. Empty me of self. And please fill me with your spirit. So many needs among our church family. I pray that you just meet those as only you can and as you see fit. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So God has really issued a challenge. If you look back in chapter 40, about verse 9, he says a challenge here. Uh, verse 8, Wilt thou disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency. Array thyself with glory and beauty. So Job, can you do all these things? Now, he's not trying to crush Job completely, but he is trying, I believe, to provocatively, as one man says, and vividly show his unfitness to call God to order. He is invited then to try his hand at these two monumental creatures. And I call them monumental creatures. I have held the view that these are most likely, pre- uh, not, I almost said prehistoric, that's not true, there's no prehistoric. These are extinct dinosaurs, that, but now there's not that many that hold that position, but I have always, because of the description, I felt that way. So as I go into that, that's, my, that's the position I'm coming from. I'm going to share other ideas. But the main, I'll get, when we get to the main thing, I'll emphasize that. So exhibit A is behemoth. Now, what was a behemoth? I was just typing in today, and I learned, much to my chagrin, that there actually is a Polish extreme metal band called Behemoth. And I actually watched the first part of a couple other videos. I, had, I just was, I'm so naive of how the satanic worship and how that music style, it, it, I could not believe what I was watching. And, and the people that just fill their minds with that, it is no wonder they want to go out and do heinous things. or act. I'm telling you, music has a tremendously, most for the most part, a tremendously negative effect on, our, on people. It's just the way it is. I'm just, just the way it is. Uh, if they listen to the wrong kind of music. The word behemoth then, is, is it really a plural? So what was it? It's a plural noun. It's like if you were out west during uh, Bill uh, Custer's stand, 
Custer's days, you might go to a field and you're a newcomer out west and you go over a rise and you see this huge herd of buffalo, bison. And then when I say, behold, buffalo. So, but there's a lot more than one. So, behold now, behemoth, whether it's a, a, a whole field of behemoths or just one, behold, behemoth. So, it might be also an intensive effect Singling the animal's mammoth proportion, uh, Smick says, a designation of majesty, the brute beast, was par excellence. And so we have behemoth here, and description contains a few puzzling features, but we can work through it, I believe. Behold, behemoth, and verse 15, which I made with thee, it eateth grass as an ox. Essentially, a land animal, 21, he liveth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and the fens, and the shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinketh up a river and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can draw up Jordan into his mouth. The singular key which you and I must, I think, really understand, I believe this creature must be one that Joe was familiar with. I really believe that. That's the only, otherwise, the point would be drained of its impact. If you tell me, uh, I don't know, some, uh, 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 I, I don't, some animal I've never seen before, it has no effect upon me. But if you tell me that, <laughs> that fish was the size of a porpoise, wow, it's a big fish. I can't handle or it's the size, of, we understand, it's got to be something I can relate to. So the details match what we would expect of, of Denison, of the, well, someone has said, of the river regions of Palestine. Now there are suggestions. Here's are the suggestion, a uh, pile of suggestions. Right, I should not know where is it word there, but it's a, the options. Brontosaurus, water buffalo, rhinoceros, hippopotamus, and the elephant. Now the two most popular in today's world are the hippo and the elephant. Now this view, uh, Dr. Sylvia Sykes uses this term or uses the, these words to support the hippo and elephant. She says, quoting, The hippo is most widely assumed to be the creature in mind. It is a massive beast, averaging five feet high and ranging in length from 12 to 15 feet. The chief problem, though, with the elephant then would be, seems the description of a, a tail like a cedar. However, another man says, yes, the tail could be a reference to the elephant tail-like trunk. So an interesting case supported by a very really early material can be made for identifying behemoth with the elephant. And this is stated well in the epilogue of the natural history of the African element, possibly an Asiatic elephant rather than African. That is one side. Strong's, who we rely upon for almost nearly everything as you look in your uh, scripture. Strong says, perhaps an extinct dinosaur. This word only occurs once in the Bible. A diplodocus, a brachiosaurus. The exact meaning is unknown. And the same Strong's thing right below, it says these words. Some translate as elephant or hippopotamus. But from description in Job 40, 15 to 24, it's patently absurd. That was right in the strong, patently absurd, to call it that. But you may want it to be a hippopotamus. By the way, it's also a Nile horse. In, in Egypt, it was called a Nile horse, the hippo. Brown, Driver, and Briggs say it was a masculine behemoth, a hippopotamus, apparently from the Egypt, Egypt, Egypt area. Henry Morris, on the other side, says the word behemoth means simply huge beast, and commentators commonly take it to be either an elephant or a hippopotamus. The subsequent description, he says, however, fits neither of these. 
nor any other living animal. On the other hand, it seems to match the probable description of a great land dinosaur such as Tyrannosaurus. So, could there have been dinosaurs alive with Job? Yes. We have the ark. It's not finished in 2300s BC, approximately. Job about 2000 BC. So, only 300 years, 400 years removed. I really believe Job had seen these two mammoth beasts himself. And that's why God uses these. Now remember, he, what's God been doing since chapter 37, 38, 39? Showing Job how great God is. Can you, can you do this, Job? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can, oh, no. And what does Job say? Well, Job says by the time he gets to verse 40, he says, Behold, 44, 40, verse 4, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. God has done a super-de-duper job of showing Job. You just got a little overboard there. You, how can you judge God? Or how can you call God on the carpet, if you would? I'm, not, I'm, thinking, I'm paraphrasing. You have, you have really no right to do that. And Job realizes it now. And just to put the last two postage stamps on it, we're going to talk about the behemoth. And then the Leviathan. Interesting, we find there that his tail was like a cedar. I just picture that as you think about, in your mind's eye, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the pictures we have envisioned. Of course, none of us have seen a real Tyrannosaurus Rex, regardless of what Jurassic Park says or does. We have not seen one. But were there ones? I believe there were ones. I believe there were a lot of things I have never seen. I've never seen Tokyo, Japan, but I believe it's real. A lot of people live there that really believe it's real because they live in that city. A lot of people haven't seen Wirtland, Kentucky. I'm guessing a lot of people, more people have seen Tokyo than Wirtland. But it's just as real because if Wirtland isn't real, I have no home to go to. So there we are. He is chief of the ways. Now, hippopotamuses are nice, I guess. Elephants are pretty amazing. They're all amazing, but God's creation is amazing. But I don't see either of those as being the chief. Now, the elephant might be closer to the chief, but he has no tail like a cedar. And one guy says, well, referring to the trunk as a tail. They know what the trunk, we know which end is which. We really do. We know those things. Those are, those are staples of our understanding. It says in 19 that he is the chief of the ways of God. Chief of the ways of God. I just can't pick a hip. Picture a hippo or even an elephant being the chief of the ways of God. But I can picture a huge, gigantic dinosaur that men are afraid of and cannot handle in any regard to be that. Uh, again, I believe they came, as you went up, well, I believe they first, we know they were created on day five and six. I really believe they were on the ark, came over on the ark, probably hibernated on the ark while the ark was on the water, and they came off the ark, and they lived post-ark. Post-Diluvian world, we're part of, and this, and I, again, I would not be surprised if there's a dinosaur here and there still alive today. Would not surprise me at all, especially in the ocean. That would not surprise me at all. If there's still dinosaurs alive today, would not surprise me that much. But the thing about what is not, what is, what it was is not nearly so important as why the Lord asked about it. What's really important is why does God bring up behemoth? At this point in time, what's the point of, discuss, of discussing this wonderful animal? Is he just trying to wow Job with an impressive uh, brute beast? Well, if you go back to 15, we find this little word, this little phrase tucked in there in 15. Behold now, behemoth, which I made with thee. This creature, 
was given life by God. God has made it. He's made Job, but he also has made this wonderful creature. A sense of the creative and artistic delight prevails God's description of, of the beast as well. And I'm just a little tidbit here. I was reading this, and the sentence originally said, a sense of creative pride and artistic delight. And I thought, you know, attributing pride to God, I just don't, I don't think we should go there. As you read things, you need, I'm not trying to say I'm better than that person. I'm saying sometimes we write things and we give things, assign things to God that he is absolutely against. Now, if there's anyone who has a right to be, a, who's done wonderful things, it is God. He's a right to be worshipped. But don't put the word pride in there because that's a thing that God hates. Do you see how you have to be so careful when it comes to speaking about who God is? Please don't, don't use your own just creative license and attribute things to God that are, should not be. So I said, a sense of creative and artistic delight pervades God's description of this beast. I think God can delight in things. The amazing creatures that God has made. It's a powerful specimen, an impressive marvel of biological engineering. Man is a scrawny weakling by comparison to the behemoth, even if it is just a hippo or an elephant, but certainly if it's the Tyrannosaurus rex or Brontosaurus or something like Brachiosaurus, or just a little smidgen compared to that. He is the chief, chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. That means an idea of that last phrase, only its creator can threaten it, or only his maker can draw the sword against him. In the immediate wake of God's challenge to Job in the earlier part of 40, it's almost as if God says, this brute beast might possibly, Job, be better equipped to abase the proud and send the wicked fleeing in fear than you are, Job. Chief reverence of behemoth, I think, is compressed in that verse 19, the chief ways, and he that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. So suggest really that behemoth was the largest and most impressive land animal within the circle of Job's knowledge and experience. Not at all universally received, it is not. But whether it was behemoth was a massive creature beyond man's imagination or even whatever it was beyond that or something other than, the thing is this, God has made it, and that's what's important, not so much what it was, but what God is showing to Job that God's creator, and he, and he is not, infinitely stronger than God. And yet he is, verse 15, he is, which I made with thee. So exhibit A, the behemoth, Exhibit B, before he closes his uh, speech, uh, if you would, the monologue, the Leviathan. Can you tame the Leviathan? Starting in chapter 40, verse 41.1. Canst thou draw out the Leviathan with a hook? Or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose? Or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make any supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will he take him for a servant? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Wilt thou play with him as a as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? And shall they part him among the merchants? Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. You do it once, you not do it again. So this Leviathan, again, there's, there's different opinions on what the, it's like swirling around. It's like the alligator who submerges and leaves that swirling. There's a lot of swirling suggestions of what the Leviathan was, such as a marine dinosaur, 
A whale, a dolphin, a crocodile, and even a mythical seven-headed sea monster named Lotan. That comes from Psalm 74, 13, which says, Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. So possibly a seven-headed sea monster. I'm not for that one, really. I'm not for the seven-headed sea monster. Because anything that has two heads is a freak, and anything that has no heads is dead. So as an axiom from Adrian Rogers. So I don't think it's a seven-headed monster. What does Strong say? Leviathan, sea monster, dragon. A large aquatic animal. Perhaps the extinct dinosaur, Plesiosaurus. Exact meaning is unknown. Again, right, Blue Letter Bible, right under Strong's that title. It goes on to say, some think it to be a crocodile, but from the description in chapter 41, this is patently absurd. Those exact words in two definitions, both of the behemoth and of the Leviathan, patently absurd. It appears, it goes on to, it goes on to say, it appears to be a large fire-breathing animal of some sort, just as the bombardier beetle has an explosion-producing mechanism, so the great sea dragon may have an explosive-producing mechanism to enable it to be a real fire-breathing dragon. However, we know we can't have something like that, so we are going to superimpose on this description a crocodile or an alligator. And so, but again, we don't know for sure. But I like to let my imagination wander a little bit here from the description. This is a fire-breathing dragon, possibly. At least a sea dinosaur that... There's no way you're catching it with a rod and reel. Well, canst thou draw out, verse 1, Leviathan with a hook? I'm telling you, if, if that thing gets on my rod, I'm throwing my rod and reel in, and I'm starting a motor, and off I go. I never fish in a lake deep enough to handle this anyway, so there we are. Morris says, Leviathan is evidently the greatest of the marine reptiles or dinosaurs, something like a plesiosaur, although modern commentaries tend to call it a crocodile. In Isaiah 27.1, now we have more uses of Leviathan than we do behemoth. 27.1, it says, In that day the Lord with his uh, sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. The psalmist said of Leviathan in Psalm 104.25, So is this great and wide sea wherein things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. I think Leviathan was some really large beast made by God. The dinosaur, very possibly. But something that... It would make us stand in awe. Now, we stand in awe of God. But Job, and again, I think Job had to know about this animal to make it worthwhile, to, to make it all fit together. Again, the crocodile is the most widely accepted, according to Dr. Talbert. Uh, those who are pro-crocodile alligator would be something like William Bartram. In the 17th, 1700s, he wrote this, The Travel of William Bartram, regarding the American alligator. He says, quoting, Behold him rushing forth from the flags and reeds. His enormous body swells. His plaited tail, brandished high, floats upon the lake. And the water, like a cataract, descends from his open jaws. Clouds of smoke issue from his dilated nostrils. The earth trembles with his thunder. Page. 
when immediately from the opposite coast of the lagoon emerges from the deep his rival champion. Then suddenly dart upon each other, the boiling surface of the lake marks their rapid course, and a terrific conflict commences. Now they sink to the bottom, folded together in horrid wreaths. That's kind of wordy. The water becomes thick and discolored. Again they rise, their jaws clap together, re-echoing through the deep surrounding forest. The forest and shores resound with the proud victor's dreadful roar. End of quote. By the way, alligators are not near as uh, aggressive as the crocodiles are. Alligators are less, near less uh, aggressive than the crocodile. There are some, now, there are some, some same observations regarding behemoth applied to Leviathan. It must be, again, a creature known to Job to have the impact of the image lost on him. If I say that there was a, some kind of snake you've never even heard of, or some kind of animal you've never heard of, it's not going to make, but if I say there was a timber rattler in my house today, and we all ran screaming from the house because it was like, you know, it was like a five-foot timber rattler, you'd, man, I would be running too, or perhaps getting the gun or whatever. But if I made up some you know, some animal we never heard of, not so worried about that because we don't know about it. But when God said Leviathan and Behemoth, it's like, wow, those are majestic beasts. Well, aren't, don't, I hope they have dinosaurs in heaven or somehow, somewhere on the new earth, somewhere. We could, wouldn't it be nice to great to walk beside the dinosaurs, now the non eating dinosaurs or non flesh eating dinosaurs, and then walk beside them? When that, maybe you're going to be a dinosaur zookeeper. In glory. What do you think? Maybe a dinosaur zookeeper on the new earth? Perhaps. Won't there be animals on the new earth, do you think? Yeah. At least certainly in the millennial kingdom, because some of them aren't going to live through the millennial kingdom, as you well know. So the Lord, so we find there's, there's some questions. Again, please don't let us finding an exact answer for these two great beasts to dissuade you from the whole purpose. Job, I am God. And look at these marvelous creatures that I have made. So you really don't have a right to question me about how I do things. We sometimes question God for a lot more trivial things than Job had going on in his life. We understand that. Now, he doesn't interrogate about the behemoth, but he does resume the interrogation with the Leviathan. If you find out in 1 and 2, we find that capturing the creature with a hook, Canst thou draw out the Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook in his nose, or bore uh, his jaw through with a thorn? Now, what are the the pronouns? Are they singular or plural? The second word of the chapter. Canst thou draw out? Can you, verse 2, canst thou put? Can you do that? So we find that Job, Job is, the, is the object of God's questions, not a, not a group. It's Job. Can you do this, Job? Why? Did we call, because back over here earlier in 40, wilt thou this and all? Hast thou an arm like God? 49. Or cast thou thunder a voice? This is, the questions are for Job. Single-handed combat would not win the day. Perhaps many men, in verse 7, perhaps many could. Canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thine hand upon him, remember the battle, and do no more. 
but one time will you do this, Job? One time will you try to capture this beast? And I've seen people wrestle alligators. I mean, have you not seen on TV people? Now, maybe not the real big ones, but they wrestle, and they'll, they'll grab alligators and do all these things. And, and I feel sorry for alligators sometimes and crocodiles, but they, they will do that. This creature, I think, is beyond wrestling. I don't see us wrestling a Brachiosaurus or a Diplodocus or one of these other Plesiosaurus. I don't see you hopping on his back in the ocean and living much longer to tell about it. These are marvelous creatures. The primary point is not what this creature is, but why God brings this creature into the discussion. And once again, the significance of this segment of God's speech is folded into the description of the creatures. He's so great, and I'm so small. That's the idea. The point services again in verse 9. Almost like without warning. Verse 9, Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare stir him up, who then is able to stand before me. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Job, why are you calling what I have done in the question? Look at these two creatures. They're amazing. Leviathan's a terrifying animal. Now, I, I, I would be terrified if a big crocodile came swimming toward him, but I'm, I'm not terrified. I, you know, I don't think of, I think of snakes as being, I don't like snakes, period. I'm scared of snakes. A lot more scared of snakes than I'm a crocodile or an elephant, whatever. This creature, like, I, I think, why would you even go close to it? You're going to sneak around it because you don't want to wake up the sleeping, not the baby, the sleeping dinosaur. Because if he does, look out. I think that's the idea. They were, they were fierce. None is so fierce that there stir him up. See, I, I can't picture the elephant or the kangaroo. No, okay. The elephant and the crocodile, the alligator. I can't picture them here or the dolphin. I can picture, though, some really large dinosaur that is ferocious. Who then could be so foolish as to think he could challenge God and stand against him? A paraphrase of 11 might be, who was first given anything to me that I should be obliged to repay him? Everything under the whole heaven is mine. Now, the Lord's declaration drives us back full circle to a truth that confronted in the earlier on in the book. Look at chapter 2, verse 3, please. Job had done nothing to deserve the loss of everything. Job 2, 3. Remember, we had the prologue. We had the dialogue. We've had the, we're ending the closing of the monologue, and next week we have the epilogue. But in 2.3, and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Job had done nothing to deserve all that had happened to him. But we often forget the other side of the truth, which was mentioned during the, the uh, testimony time. We've done nothing to deserve all of God's benefits either. He had done nothing to have them taken away, but neither have we done anything deserved to get them. He'd done absolutely nothing to deserve what he possessed in the first place. It's so obvious it often becomes forgettable to us. We assume, wrongfully so at times, not to just make a general statement, we assume that well, we, we're just sort of deserving of all these things. You know, God's just blessing us because, you know, we're, we're, we're righteous dudes. That's the old phrase, I know. We're just, we're not righteous dudes. And we are to try to be righteous, but God is merciful. Now, Job even said that in 121. If your Bibles are still back over in the beginning of the book. Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 10. 
of two, two ten. He said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So he was good with at least verbalizing being given. God gives, God takes away. God gives, God takes away. We're good with the good. We're good with the good. Giving. We like that part. God gives, God gives, God gives. And when something happens, it's taken away. Oh my goodness, what has God done to me now? We shouldn't be like that. This whole book of Job is showing us God is so much greater than us. Let us just humble ourselves and let Him be God. And Lord, now teach me. I know some of you are going through trials. You've gone through trials for years, are going through now. You'll start next week or, or you'll start next month or maybe yours will end next week. But we've got to just humble ourselves. Lord, what are you trying to teach us in all this? But he underscores this dramatically here. Your possessions, your position, your ministry, your children, your health, your breath, none of it is yours. You've been given, uh, you have given God nothing that obligates him to repay you. You've been given nothing to God that obligates him, for we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift, the gift of God. We cannot. We cannot, earn, we cannot earn it. We are given to us by God. And all these things that we have, you're, 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 all the things God has so abundantly blessed us with, He can take them away, and he still can, He's still God. He still has that right. Well, He has the right to give me more and more. He does. He has also the right to remove that more and more. See, what He wants from us is not your wealth. He wants you to worship Him. That's what He wants. And he may have to bring some things to smack us across the side of the head to get us to look, what, worship me, worship me. So God injects this truth into the discussion of the Leviathan. It's so basic. But have we, the writer says, have we made it even this far in our understanding? We confess it with our mouths, so did Job. Do we grasp it with our souls and live it? That is what afflictions test. The Lord has made his point. Now he proceeds with the description of this wonderful beast. Verse 12, we find then as we close up the shop tonight, it's conceptual with flesh. It's not just abstract, it's real. I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion. He's the Leviathan's unapproachable, 13, 1, 13. Who can discover the face of his garment? Or who can come to him with his double bridle? His teeth are terrible. They're just slightly bigger than Friedrich von Trapp's teeth. If you know where that's from. 41.14, who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. Hissy Missy got in my lap today, right there before my nap time, and I'm just fearful of her. And so I pet her a little while, about three pets, and she, she finally settled in for about a minute. Then she hopped off, and I was getting ready to go sleep. And she jumps up on my chair again and lays on the side of my I was sleeping downstairs and, uh, and on this side, of the, and so I was just afraid to pet her a little bit, shroom, shroom, like that, because I was afraid she'll turn around, shroom, so just like a little bit there. And she slept, I don't know, it must have been a half hour. I'm not sure how long I slept like that, but she was right there this whole time. I, I don't know why. Her teeth are terrible. They're scary. I don't make it more than it has to be. But this, this beast, I'm telling you, it's an amazing beast that Job has heard about from God himself. His scales are virtually impenetrable. See, now this is one of the reasons why I believe it was a dragon-type beast. His scales are his pride, 15, shut up together as a close seal. 
No, one is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. His appearance is unearthly and terrifying. I've watched the WWE or WWF sometimes. I'm not in the past, man, on TV now. And they always had this big light show. And the lights go out. And, and that, that uh, dry ice starts waving through. And the announcer will get on there. And from so-and-so. I don't even, they even announce them. They just appear. It's the Undertaker or whoever. I don't know who it is. I don't remember who the names are even now. John Cena, I think, was a wrestler. Oh, the Rock was a wrestler. I don't know if he still wrestles now or not. But they want to make it seem like, oh, this is somebody really big time. Maybe it's the big show. I don't mean, think he wrestles anymore or not. He was so huge. Did he die, the big show? He died. He's the big show. And Andre the Giant died too, didn't he? Yes. I trust, I hope they were ready. That's the most important thing, to be ready. But they want to. This, this was truly, this had no lights. There was no dry ice, and there was no announcer announcing that Leviathan, by his knee, sneezings or sneezings, a light does shine. And his eyes, 18, are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth." I've seen some crocodiles. I've never seen that happen with an alligator or a crocodile. Uh, I have not seen that. The building, is, he's powerful. His neck, 22, remains strength and sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. His temperament, cruel and merciless, 24. His heart is as firm as a stone, yea, as hard as a piece of nether, which is millstone. His sudden, uh, we find in 25, when he raises up, the mighty are afraid. By reasons of breakings, they purify themselves. You may throw a sword or spear him from a distance, but no one dares to approach too near, 41, 26, Job 40. The sword of him that layeth at him cannot hold the spear in the dark, nor the haberdin. The esteem, he esteemeth iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of a spear. He lives, he lives in a deep trail, leaves a deep trail of mud. 30, 41, verse 30, sharp stones are under him. He spreads sharp pointed things upon the mire. 41, 31, he makes the cloud, water cloudy with his twistings. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Uh, when he swims out, it looks like a white hair on the way out. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary or a silver head, white haired. For he personifies fearlessness. And in steering fearfulness, 33, upon earth there is not his like who is made without fear. I think we've gone beyond the porpoise and the crocodile and the alligator. Now some would attribute this last verse to Satan, a metaphor to Satan. He beholdeth all things high things. He is king over all the children of pride. We might want to do that. It's up to you. The defense really rests. That's the final point. Behemoth, Leviathan, now the defense rests. It really concludes abruptly. There's no homily. Now, I had to look up the word homily. Do we know what homily means? It's a, it's a sermon, a speech, an oration. There's no moral. There's no final lesson of the application. Job does not need any more lessons. He has been humbled. How do you know, Pastor? 
Shall we turn to the last chapter for just a moment? We shall. Oh, I got two minutes. We find here it says 4, 42, 4. I just do 42, 2. I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withheld holden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And, and that response right there should be all of us. Oh, but pastor, I, I, I'm, an elevated, I'm an elevated Christian person living in 2023, almost 2024. I don't think that we have to submit ourselves like, Job was the greatest man in the East. He, he, he was, he was, there's no one superior spiritually, financially, I don't think hardly ever. He, he was a, a, a man who, what would God say about you and I? Would he say that he's this Jewish evil and, and walks with me and I can find no wrong thing to say about him? Would, would God say that about us? So before we somehow elevate ourselves to this doesn't apply to us and I don't need to be humble in spirit, that's the exact opposite. A contrite heart is what God wants from all of us. May we guard our words, our thoughts, our ramblings. God wants us to, to, to be salt and light. Kidner says in closing, uh, he says, that a discourse or conversation which began with the cosmos, chapter 1 and 2, should end in praise of two aquatic monsters, however fearsome, may strike us as eccentric, which means unconventional. And that it should ignore our burning questions altogether may be a bitter disappointment. But there is no mistaking the purpose of it, congenial or not. It cuts us down to size, treating us not as philosophers, but as children. Limited in mind, puny in body, whose first and fundamental grasp of truth must be to know the difference between our place and God's and to accept it. We may reflect on this thought. That if instead of this, we were offered a defense of our Creator's ways for our approval, it would imply that He was accountable to us and not we to Him. I trust, as we close up next week this sermon, this series on Job, that our understanding of who God is, it just, He, well, actually, I, I realize there's so much more. I know hardly next to anything. I know next to nothing about who God is, really. And I love that. He is going to always be so far deeper and richer and fuller for eternity. I like that. And you should too. But that should draw us ever more to worshiping and serving the one true living King of Kings. I'll give you two samples. Watch the behemoth and watch the Leviathan. Now, who are you to question God? Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the book of Job. Lord, we're thankful how it shows that you are so great and we are so small. May we echo, may we echo Job's sentiments there at the end of that chapter 42, or right in the beginning of the chapter, I'm sorry.
that I, I, it's sort of like I'm lost and undone. It's, it's like the Isaiah of chapter, uh, of chapter 6, Lord, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Job says, woe is me. I, I said things I shouldn't have said. And Lord, it happens to us all the time. We make casual, off-handed statements about who you are or what you have not done or are doing. Instead of saying, Lord, please, I, I, I'm going to put my mouth, hand over my mouth. I'm just going to let you teach. Lord, may that be our spirit this year. Lord, teach us to know who you are in a better way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.